On today's episode of Locked On Mariners, we'll tell you why last night's win for the Mariners was a must-have, what our overall feelings are a week out from the trade deadline, and why Juan Soto isn't the star player the Mariners should be targeting this summer. Thank you so much for being here. Coley, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Locked On Mariners podcast. This is Tuesday, July 26, 2022. And thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms with new episodes coming out every Monday through Friday. I am your host, Titan Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. We cover the Mariners over at InsideTheMariners.com for Fan Nation over on the Sports Illustrated Network. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at C-Pat11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash control the zone. We post two additional podcasts on there every single week. Again, that is patreon.com forward slash control the zone. And if this is your first time joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Turn on the notification bell and give this video a thumbs up. We greatly appreciate it. We got a lot happening here with a week out from the trade deadline. Yes, next Tuesday is the trade deadline. It is Jerry season. Things are going to be happening. Players are going to get moved. The Mariners are going to get better, but we'll tell you how much we think the Mariners are going to get better later on in the show. We're also going to reflect on last night's 4-3 win over the Rangers and why that was a must-have win for the Mariners. But let's start with a statement that Colby made on social media last night from the Control the Zone Twitter account. I'm just going to throw up the meme that you posted right on the uh, screen here. And for those that are just listening, it says, Sander Bogarts makes more sense for the Mariners than Juan Soto. Hmm, very interesting. Now, of course, the Red Sox we talked about yesterday, they could be potential sellers here in a week. They are hovering around 500 right now. They got back above 500 yesterday with a win. But, you know, they're just kind of in the pack right now in the wild card race with six other teams. You know, their, their path to the, to the postseason is very murky. They still got to play the AL East a lot. They still haven't won a series against an AL East team this year as a whole. So it's very plausible. And on top of that, of course, they have many, many contributors, key contributors that are likely heading to free agency this winter, including Xander Bogarts, who has a $20 million player option. He's not taking that at the end of this year. He's just not. He's way better than that. So... Colby, why is two months of Xander Bogarts worth more to the Mariners than two and a half years of Juan Soto? Because he costs less, you know, first and foremost. I mean, for Xander, two months of Xander Bogarts, we're not talking about nothing. I mean, you're going to have to give up something pretty sizable. And because it's Mm -hmm. the Red Sox, it's probably going to be something that they think can help them at some point next year. Uh, my guess, just this is just a guess. I haven't that dove too much into this. Uh, <clears throat> probably Emerson Hancock uh, for two months of Xander Bogarts, and and while that you know is is kind of steep for a rental, um, compare it to George Kirby, Noel V. Marte, Harry Ford, etc. For Juan Soto, um, 
and it's it's kind of a no-brainer for me. Uh, in addition to that, Xander Bogarts also plays up the middle. He is valuable defensively and you know on the bases, uh, so he's more than a one-dimensional. And I mean, you think about Xander Bogarts this year is having eh, it, the Statcast community is not huge on Bogarts this year. They say he's having a fine year. And his fine year is 312, 385, 443, and a 133 WRC plus <laughs> as a shortstop, by the way. About uh-huh. about average shortstop. He's not elite by any stretch. JP's a better shortstop. Um, but you don't need Bogarts to play shortstop. And if you're acquiring Bogarts, you can either put him at short and move JP to second. You could just put Bogarts at second. He'll handle that just fine. You play third if you need him to. Uh, and JP Crawford, nice player. Shouldn't be hitting at the top of the order. He's really struggled the last three weeks or so. Uh, and this is a way for the Mariners to upgrade second base without actually acquiring a second baseman. Um, so I, I think when you kind of factor all those things in, Bogarts as a rental, considering cost, and you know, position fit, um, I, I think he's just a better option uh, than Juan Soto. Uh, Soto's certainly the better player. Um, mm-hmm. and, but one of the things I, I hear constantly about, you know, in regards to Soto's value is that, oh, well, he's 23 years old. He's 23 years old. That doesn't matter. Why does that matter? If he's 27, it doesn't matter because you're only going to have him for the next two and a half years. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't matter if you're, so when you say, oh, well, Soto is, is younger, that's, that's irrelevant to this conversation. So you just look at who's the better all around player. I mean, Soto's bad is so good that it's probably still Soto, but it's a lot closer than people think, and Bogarts is going to cost significantly less and play a position that you actually have a need to fill. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think Xander Bogarts makes a lot of sense. Whether or not the Red Sox trade him, I don't know. They, My guess is is that they would prefer to hold him and then maybe try to re-sign him, but you can trade a guy and then re-sign him. It happens all the time. Um, You know, it's... A Roldis Chapman is kind of a famous example of this where the Yankees trade him to the Cubs and then they go back and they sign him. So uh, I think Xander Bogarts makes a lot of sense. He fills a bigger hole for the Mariners than Juan Soto does. Uh, he can help you in more ways than Juan Soto can. And just value wise, war wise, they're pretty similar. I mean, Xander Bogarts has thrown up a 3.7 F4 this year. Mm-hmm. Last year was 4.4. In you know 2020, the shortened season, it was on pace to be about 4.8. Before that, it was 5.9. Before that, it was 4.5. He's a very good player. So it's mm-hmm. Xander Bogarts for Emerson Hancock or Juan Soto for George Kirby, Edwin Arroyo, Harry Ford, Jared Kelnick, and I, you know, em- Emerson Hancock. <laughs> you know, it, it to me it's kind of a no brainer here because Soto is not the piece that gets the Mariners to the world series uh, this year. I just don't think it's, it. you can justify paying the freight for it. So I think Bogarts is that impact bat who actually plays a, can play a position of need and help you in more than one way. So I think Bogarts makes more sense. Well, yeah. And like you said earlier, he fills a far greater need for you, you know, and I don't want to say that the Mariners have a log jam in the outfield because they have a lot of guys that can't really play defensively in the outfield, at least play well in the outfield. They can stand out there potentially, but that's really it. And I mean, like, you know, obviously Juan Soto would be an upgraded, uh, clear cut upgrade over guys like, you know, Mitch Hanniger, Jesse Winker, Kyle Lewis, Taylor Tremont, the list goes on and on and on. I'm not discrediting that. 
But the thing, too, is you know, he's like first percentile and outs above average in the outfield. He's awful. Like, he's genuinely like a terrible outfielder and a bad base runner, too, by all accounts. And I mean, like, while he's basically Ted Williams at the plate, you don't like he's just kind of another guy that you have right now in terms of positional flexibility, which is he doesn't really have any. Right. You have the mm-hmm. Carlos Santana's and the Mitch Hanegers and the Kyle Lewis's and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera of the world. And only so many at bats, so many positions to play these guys at. And it's like you're you're fine there. Right. You don't have a Juan Soto caliber player there, but you have have good to even like, you know, better, you know, above average all-star. players. Yeah. yeah. You have like all star potential players there in those positions already, whereas the second base. Obviously, you know, you have a former all-star in Adam Frazier who has played better over the last, you know, week and a half or so, but you'd like to upgrade there. And also, mm-hmm. Adam Frazier could be a pretty decent pace off of the bench. And so, again, like you said, you acquire Xander Bogarts. He plays wherever you want him to play. So if he if you want him at second base, he he can't really say no, right? You trade it for right. him. So you play him at second base. Right. You pair him with, with JP. That fills a greater need. And you don't have this headache this lineup headache that kind of you know soto's acquisition also creates not from not just from the outfield perspective but also from the starting pitching perspective as well where now you got to fill that hole whether you trade logan gilbert or george kirby and of course maybe there is a path here where they don't have to trade either for soto i personally don't see that coley you don't see that so we're just working off of that knowing that and uh, I just I think Bogarts, you know, taking all of that into account, Bogarts makes more sense here because he just he doesn't create any of those headaches for you. Right. And it's it's not a you know, you're not emptying the barrel for one player in the hopes that he right. saves your season. You can go trade for for Xander Bogarts and go acquire Frankie Montes. You can do both of those things. You can afford to do both of those things. You can or Pablo Lopez or, or pick your pitcher. And probably still get a reliever too, so it's it's just about you know taking more shots at high impact players and saying this is the one guy, because if you're going to trade what it's going to cost to acquire Juan Soto, at least what we assume it's going to cost to acquire Juan Soto, you kind of have to win a World Series in the next two years. Otherwise, it was a bad trade, <laughs> you know. And and I know it's it's a simplification. People don't like to think of it that way. They should, they should. So because for me, the goal is to win for a decade, not. Oh, here's my two or three year window. And then after this, I guess we have to start over again. Like that's, that's not anything I'm interested in. Um, and, and, you know, quick side note, I already talked about the age thing, not being a, a reason for me to care about Juan Soto at all. I'm not artificially pumping his value because he's 23. That means nothing to me. He's gone in two and a half years anyways. Um, the other argument that I've been seeing lately that doesn't hold weight is the idea that Juan Soto, his defense and base running will get better when he's outside of Washington because he'll care more. That's that, that's what I call a red flag that he's playing like half speed because he's not happy of where he's at. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's not a positive. That's a red flag guys. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens again. I ultimately don't think Juan Soto gets dealt. I know it's kind of an up and down debate here. Do they try and trade him before ownership changes, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think he gets moved this summer. And if he does, I think the Mariners are probably, I'd call him a dark horse at best um, in that sweepstakes. Xander Bogarts, though, just makes more sense. And honestly, you might be able to to snag something like Bogarts and Evaldi for for Hancock mm-hmm. and Stout. And to me, that makes a lot more sense. 
All right, so what are our overall thoughts heading into the deadline? We're going to tell you those in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as them with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft their perfect engagement ring, and each ring will be a one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com, and going on now is the Blue Nile Anniversary Sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free. Find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every single day. We greatly appreciate your support. So we are exactly one week away from the MLB trade deadline. They pushed it back out of the end of July to August 2nd. Uh, because of the lockout, just to give teams a couple more days to get set for that. But it is fast approaching here. The trade market is already starting to go a little bit here. We saw, of course, the Daniel Vogelback trade to the Mets a couple days ago. And, uh, you know, there's more talks. There's more rumors happening. So I, I would I would expect that there's going to be more deals happening here uh, in the coming days. And uh, certainly over the weekend, I think the weekend is going to be pretty busy. And then, of course, you know, Tuesday, I think is going to be uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch. So and, and we expect the Mariners are going to be in the <coughs> middle of all this fun, of course. So, Colby, considering where this team is at right now, uh, seven games over 500, feeling pretty good about themselves, got back in the win column last night. How do you feel about the trade deadline? How do you feel about where this team is at and what they should prioritize heading into next week? Yeah, they're three clear of the of the first team out, basically. Mm-hmm. So they have a they have a little bit of a buffer. There's like four teams that were, are within three and a half games of them. But when you really start to look at the standings, it kind of starts to look like it's Tampa, Toronto, Seattle, and then there's a drop, right? And then mm-hmm. Chicago can certainly make up that ground. That's probably the team I'm most worried about would be the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do get to play them, I believe, four more times, three more times. Um, and they're not playing that well. It's totally possible they fall off this week. Um, you know, they, they play Cleveland right now. They're kind of going back and forth with Cleveland. I'm not all that worried about Cleveland. I know they have good pitching. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I don't really fear Cleveland or Baltimore. Um, so I, I think, in Boston, I think ultimately and by the way, we'll Baltimore sell. might be selling. There's been yep. reports, rumors mm-hmm. about them potentially selling off Trey Mancini, right. Dylan and Tate, so, like mm-hmm. So I think when you're looking at this, you're going, okay, so I feel pretty comfortable that Toronto and Tampa are going to get in. Uh, although Toronto or Tampa just lost Mike Sanino and Kevin Kiermeyer for the season. So, you know, we'll see. But um, I feel pretty confident that those two teams are getting in. So for me, the wild card comes down to either the twins uh, either the Twins, White Sox, or Mariners, uh, that last wild card spot. Um, it doesn't mean the Mariners are going to be the six either. I'm just saying. Uh, but to me, the when I look at the landscape of the Seattle Mariners and this playoff race, 
starting pitching still is the thing that stands out. Um, yeah. You know, we, we watched Marco really struggle against Houston. Um, you know, we watched Chris Flexen kind of, you know, kind of dance around with a decent Texas Rangers lineup. And you just kind of think about them going up against the Astros, the twins, the, the Yankees. It's, it's not something that you want to see multiple times in a playoff series. Uh, and it's interesting Ty, as we were recording, as you were doing your ad read, <laughs> saw a little bit of news, uh, that might oh, interest are you. Talking, you. Are you talking about, yes, yeah. Tariq yeah. Skubal <laughs> is apparently available via trade from the, this is yeah. from Ken Rosenthal, legit reporter, yeah. uh, who says the Tigers are willing to trade Tariq Skubal. And that is just like, that blew this thing wide open because to mm-hmm. me, if he's actually available, that's the number one guy. Yeah, I'm um, down. I'm like so down. <laughs> you, I mean, that is going to cost you Edwin Arroyo. It's probably going to cost you Emerson Hancock. But not only is Tariq Skubal good, he's young, he's controllable. Um, yeah. I guess he's 25. He doesn't turn 26 until November. You get him for four more years after this year. Um he let me, let me bats, just read off these walk. numbers for, for, for Tariq Skubal right now. So 388 ERA, 293 FIP, uh, 322 XFIP. He's been worth 2.7 F4. He's striking out 9.37 guys per nine innings pitched, 2.28 walks per nine innings pitched uh, through 106 and two-thirds innings. He should have been an all-star this year. Um, ridiculous that he wasn't like Gregory Soto and Miguel Cabrera, really. That's who represents the Tigers in the All-Star game this year? Okay. But, yeah, Tariq Skubal has been fantastic this season. Uh, and uh, I've loved him coming up and uh, through the uh, through the Tigers system, of course. Seattle, you guy. Like, yep. there's there's a connection right there, too. Like, mm-hmm. you – you I, I just I, – I think that's an amazing fit for the Mariners, Tariq Skubal. I would be thrilled. I would be over the moon if they went after him. And they should go after him. Yeah. And, again, obviously, Skubal's probably going to cost more than Montes, more than Castillo. Um, and, you know, the Tigers saying that we are willing to trade him doesn't mean that they're looking to. It means come blow our socks off. But, fortunately, for Mariners fans – they do. They can do that. They have the ammunition. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can make that happen. Uh, so you, when you kind of look at it from De- from a Detroit standpoint, is this has kind of become a Tariq Skubal. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's kind of become his segment. Um, Detroit all of a sudden is like, how aggressive would you be, Ty, if you could get Skubal and uh, another guy you like, uh, Joe Jimenez? <sighs> like, are you giving up two top four prospects and then like? Like, would you do like Edwin Arroyo, Emerson Hancock, uh, Taylor Trammell, and like Levi Stout for those two? Yes. Yeah, in a heartbeat. <laughs> what What if I replaced Trammell with Kelnick? Ooh. All right. So, so Arroyo, Hancock, Kelnick, Stout. I mean, that's expensive. I mean, still though, I I think Scoobles a a two. Four Four years of Scoobles. Two, uh, one and a half years of uh, Jimenez. Of Jimenez. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm doing that because, like, yeah. again, I'm, I'm school, very, school bowl to me is a number two. I honestly, and I think Kelnick is the type of guy who Detroit would be really interested in because mm-hmm. he's 23, he's young, he's controllable. The Tigers don't and by really the way, have we that. Should, we should mention here that friend of the show, Jason, uh, Jason Churchill, prospect insider, tweeted last mm-hmm. night that yep. he's hearing that Jared Kelnick has been the 
player that's come up the most in discussions between the Mariners and teams. So I would say there's a pretty high likelihood that if the Mariners land someone pretty huge, Jerry Kelnick's heading the other way. Right, and that makes sense because Seattle, because they don't have outfield depth, but yeah. that is a, a that is a position where they've kind of stacked up bodies, and Kelnick, as much as I still believe in the upside, he's not a, he's not an up the middle player. He's a right fielder. Finding a right fielder who can hit and play a little defense a lot easier than finding a center fielder a lot easier than finding a number two starter like Tariq Skubal. So, to me, you know, it's, it's we don't know. You know, Churchill did reiterate that he doesn't know if the Mariners are engaging in these talks, if they're interested in trading Kelnick, but he can't say that front off other front offices are asking about him more than any other Mariners player. So clearly mm-hmm. Kelnick has maybe a bit more value than we thought, at least to some teams. Um, so like I am looking at Scooble and I know where this is supposed to be a, a big discussion about the overall trade deadline, but mm-hmm. I, this is like the guy that like, if this is the guy that you have to trade, three top prospects for it, do it. Like it's because you're talking about Robbie Ray, Tariq Skubal, Logan Gilbert in a playoff mm-hmm. series. And maybe even you get, you know, Jimenez thrown in there like this. Yeah, this is the, this is the deadline altering announcement. And, and again, then, I, and then, I, I don't know, you know if Detroit's going to trade him or not, but and, I'd and be on very top of that, though, Like if you were able to do even say the deal that we just proposed for Scooble, which who knows if that's actually like what it would take yeah. or, or what have you. But on top of that, though, that doesn't prevent you from doing other things. That doesn't prevent you from going out and getting another starter on top of Scooble, right? Like that doesn't stop you from going out and getting a second baseman potentially. That doesn't stop you from going out and getting outfield depth. That doesn't stop you from going out and maybe getting a catcher. Who knows, right? Like that, you know, and, and for me, just kind of looking at the overall, you know, the big picture here for the for the deadline, and we don't have a ton of time here, so I'm just going to try to keep my thoughts short. But I think that you need to leave this deadline with one starting pitcher who is a number three or better. You have to. Mm. If you don't, failure. Failure, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. like because, like, th- this is what this team needs because this team right now, they're not a bat away. And they're not really in a position either where they're going to upgrade over the bats that they currently have in place that are at least decent, that are at least average to slightly above average. They're just, they're not going to 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 add luxuries. I don't think, uh, uh, you know, in terms of position players, I think they should add luxuries. However, in the bullpen, bullpen is a place that you can go add guys for literally nothing. Guys that are going to help you for literally like nothing for like C D tier prospects. Like I'm talking like a Daniel Bard, right? Like a guy that's running like a, a walks per nine of like four, right? Like yeah. that guy is and is going to be a free agent. Like at a the middle end of the guy. Year. Yeah, like a middle relief guy. Yeah, not a high leverage guy, of course. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not going I, after the cream of the crop, you're not gonna have to give up a ton for, right. for a reliever. That, that's kind of why I like the Jimenez Scooble thing though, because I feel like yeah. if you get that like top end reliever, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you say, like, oh well. I guess my middle relief core, like my my three high leverage are Jimenez, Seawald, Munoz. I guess my middle relief core is now Festa, Barucki, uh, Castillo, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Murphy, like Swanson. Like that's my middle relief core. Whew. Yeah. So well, yeah, that's I'm what right I'm there saying. with you. You know, like like I mm-hmm. I want beef up the beef up the bullpen. Just beef yep. up the pitching as much as you can because it is so important once you get to the postseason. And at that point, all bets are off. Once you get in, anything yep. can happen. And pitching is so crucial in those games. It is so so crucial. 
Do mm-hmm. that. Don't go try to add a luxury like Juan Soto, right? Don't spend right. all your chips on Because, look, at the end of the day, as good as Juan Soto is, as good as he would make the Mariners, he's a luxury at the end of the day. You don't need yep. Juan Soto right now. You don't need no. him. You don't need either. Even going back to our conversation earlier, you don't need Xander Bogarts either. You know, you want to you should take that shot. You should kick the tires on that. But at the end of the day, I think what you're mostly going to be able to do here is just build up your depth. And the big piece that if you're going to add a big piece, it's going to be a starting pitcher. And then after that, you just add solid guys, solid dudes that just make you deeper across your roster. Right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we have to bleed this into the next segment a little bit. But I, I to me, I think if you're going into a playoff game and you're going Robbie Ray for six and then you're going Seawald, uh, Jimenez, Munoz, you're only going to need two or three runs to win that game most nights. And that's yeah. a place you want to be in the playoffs because you are going to be facing elite pitching staffs as well. Yeah, you're going to. Well, no matter the the weapons that you have in your offense either, right? Like a really good offenses struggle to score in the postseason as well. Like it's just, you got to be able to mm-hmm. pitch. You have to be able to pitch. Yep. And it seems like that's the focus for the Mariners right now. And that would be my focus. Honestly, if I was Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander and company, I'm going into the deadline knowing that I need to add pitching. The rotation has to get better. That has to get better. The floor, the ceiling, both have to be raised significantly at the deadline and the rotation. And the bullpen just needs to get deeper, I think. Right? Like, yep. don't leave it up to guys like, like, don't use roster spots on guys like Tommy Malone. If you're a playoff team, you don't use playoff spots on guys like that. Yep. So, all right. So uh, let's uh, talk about last night's game because the uh, the Mariners, of course, had a disappointing weekend, but then they were able to hold off the Rangers. It was a little sketchy there towards the end, but they were able to hold off the Rangers. Another example, by the way, of why bullpen depth is needed and why you can't just rely on, on what you have last night. Uh, we're going to get into all of that. In uh, just a moment, but a uh, reminder for folks, we are giving away a signed Mitch Hanniger card if we reach 2,411 subscribers on YouTube by the trade deadline. That's next Tuesday again. So subscribe. There it is. Subscribe if you haven't, and uh, you'll be entered automatically. And now this is, of course, far from the first card giveaway we've done. We like cards, and if you like cards, we have a great new app to tell you about, the Sports Card Investor app. It is a one-stop shop for all your card collecting needs. You can check the market activity and trends for over 630,000 cards, see all the eBay listings, and make purchases right through the app. And if you want to find the going rates for Julio Rodriguez, Ty France, Logan Gilbert, and other Mariners cards, and even scoop some up for yourself you can find all the info you need on the sports card investor app right now on your mobile device it's available for free on the google play and apple app stores or you can go to sportscardinvestor.com forward slash locked on so last night's game ty france had an incredible night three for three solo home run to dead center field very impressive solid night for chris flexen on the bump andreas munoz was lights out uh he just so nasty like he's so fun to watch now like since was he though i mean he didn't strike anybody out like yeah yeah (laughs) i mean all i did was get like three soft hit ground balls but like i guess that passes for electric only hit 100 (laughs) like twice yeah only twice what what a scrub what a scrub and he just took it easy last night i guess yeah yeah didn't didn't hit 103 this time i just you know i I guess you know pick it up there i question i mean i question his his motivation I mean, <laughs> clearly, 
Clearly, this is the guy who didn't want to be there last night. Clearly, he's only playing at half speed because he, I can't he wait to read like the comments the after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he was great. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Uh, Paul Seawald uh, with a, sc- a scoreless ending as well. Uh, then we got to Diego Castillo, who's been great. <laughs> who's been yeah. great for the most part over the last two months. Yeah. Uh, but last night, it was not happening for him. The slider was just nowhere to be found. He, he he didn't have it. He did not have it whatsoever. Uh, he ended up giving a solo home run up to uh, Nathaniel Lowe, made it 4-3, and then uh, he allowed the game tying and go-ahead and go ahead, uh, runners to um, reach base uh, before getting a key strikeout, then handed the ball off to Eric Swanson, closed the door, thankfully, thankfully, because, Colby, I don't know about you, but... Had they lost this game in that fashion, had they blown a two-run lead in the ninth after the weekend that they had just had, this show would have been very, very depressing, <laughs> first of all. Second of all, I feel like that's one of those things that just happens to a team and just rips their absolute heart out, right? Like, I, I just, I feel yeah. like last night, holding on to that game in the ninth there was crucial for the Mariners here in, in this run right now. Yeah, it's uh, it uh, it's you need this series. Let's just be honest about it. You need to win one mm-hmm. of these next two because you're going to play the the Astros for four and then the Yankees for three right after. It's it's going to be a tough road trip, right? And and if you can go three and four on that road trip, you have to feel really good about yourself um, coming back home uh, where you you know get a. A, kind of a soft landing at home and then you play the Yankees again. So like, I mean, it, it's, there's nothing easy about this stretch. So you really have to win these series that you should win. And the Mariners are a better team than Texas, just flat out. Texas has some hitters. They have some talent. They have some guys. Uh, they're not that far off. I, I don't, I don't know if they're a year away, but I, there's some talent there. They're a dangerous team. Uh, they can, they can beat anybody in the league uh, if they pitch, which, you know, the bullpen can't, uh, really. So I, but to me, you know, I was watching that game last night and I came to the realization, um, I know why the Mariners have the record they have and the Rangers have the record that they do. And it was encapsulated on two plays. Um, I think in the same, uh, well, one in the bottom, one in the top, uh, bases loaded, Carlos Santana at the plate hits a ground ball, has some top spin on it. The third baseman has to take a step back. Uh, to try and turn the double play to get out of the inning without scoring a run. It's three to two at this point. Mm-hmm. Santana busts down the line, right? Mm-hmm. Going as fast as he possibly can, and he beats it out. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you're like, oh, well, fielder's choice, RBI. Like, okay, whatever. Four to two. Ended up being the winning run, uh, all because Santana's hustle. By contrast, you go to the Rangers, right? And you look at what's happening. Um, I believe this was this was the eighth. Yeah. Uh, Seawald walks. Adolis Garcia with two outs in the eighth inning to bring up Nathaniel Lowe, dangerous hitter, good pull power. Um, and he, re- and Lowe represents the tying run. What does Garcia do? He tries to steal second. Why? That run doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you get thrown out, which he did, you just remove the tying run from the plate. And now you have to go into the ninth and you have to score two run two times now instead of maybe one mm-hmm. or maybe you could have maybe low could have tied it you know what i mean so it's just you look at smart base running the hustle 
that you see from Carlos Santana, who's not a base runner, not a good base runner, not a fast guy. And then Adolis Garcia, who's this electric player who's, you know, near elite speed and a great base stealer. One of them earned their team a run with his, you know, hustle. The other one may have cost his team the game with his dumb decision to steal. And so when you look at it like, hey, why are the Mariners this much better than the Rangers? Because roster wise, they're they're probably not. What are they now? Like 10 games up mm-hmm. on the Rangers. They're probably not 10 games better than the Rangers, not through 90 some odd games. But they are. Why is that? Because Jeans, because uh, uh, Eugenio Suarez can score on a on a wild pitch that gets five feet away from the catcher because he gets a great jump. And Carlos Santana's busting it down the line. Meanwhile, the Rangers, with all their athleticism and all their youth, they're trying to steal pointless bags down by mm-hmm. two in the eighth with the tying run at the plate. So, uh, yeah. I, to me, that was the takeaway: is that the Mariners are a well-coached team. They have a culture. They understand what they're trying to do. And the Rangers are a team that are still trying to find it. And mm-hmm. because of that, you have to you have to win. You have to beat the Rangers if you want to mm-hmm. make the playoffs. And and to Seattle's credit, I think they're nine and two against them this year. Uh, and they won six in a row. So to their credit, they are beating the Rangers. They're, the games are always close, but they're finding a way to beat them. And that's exactly what you have to do. Yeah, I would say this about the Mariners. You know, they, they're they not super athletically gifted, not this current team. I mean, you look at their sprint speeds and everything. I think they have like four guys that are above the league average in sprint speed I think right now. J.P. Crawford is their fourth fastest guy. Yeah. So that's that tells you, tells you a everything. lot. That tells yeah. you a lot. Um, but they are probably one of the most fundamentally uh, refined teams in this league right now. I mean, you look at just their defensive numbers. You know, of course, mm-hmm. again, athleticism plays into them not being great, particularly in the outfield and uh, the corner <laughs> spots. But, you know, they've they've made I think they've committed the least amount of errors or at least one I of ate. the fewest amount of errors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in all of baseball, um, they they are a smart baseball team for the most part. The, right. Like there are some times where they 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 do bunts in certain every interesting team. situations. Yeah. But yeah, but they don't. Team does that. They typically don't make base running mistakes. They typically yeah. don't throw to the wrong base. They yeah. don't take the extra extra risk. JP will eat a ball instead of trying to turn yeah. two if the pitchers like not quite at first base. Like they do all those little tiny things. Essentially, I think what you're saying is the Mariners don't beat themselves. Yeah, they don't. They don't. And like you look and and I think that they are smart enough too to capitalize on other teams' mistakes. Like mm-hmm. last night with Suarez, right, being you know on his piece of cues in that moment and seeing the ball get away from the catcher and being able to not even you know think about it, just take the step towards home and go for it, you know, and just full send it, right? I I, I think we've seen that a lot from particularly the veterans on this team. And they're leading by example here. And I think that you're seeing that, you know, rub off onto some of the younger guys as well. And uh, they're, they're just a smart ball club. They just they do all the little things really well. And that's what's going to give them an edge here over the course of the, the final two months of the season and hopefully into the postseason over some of these other teams that are, you know, a little more like obviously they have all the athleticism in the world, like like a Rangers team, like, you know, a team that has a Dulles Garcia, et cetera, but they don't have the wits about them that the Mariners do. Like they just, this team is different. This team is different in terms of how it just approaches the game it is very, very refined. And so I've been very impressed with just how they've been able to limit mistakes 
and not shoot themselves in the foot most of the time. And really, whenever they have shot themselves in the foot, it's not something that they're necessarily doing on the field. It might be more so a decision to bunt late in the game or mm-hmm. uh, a bullpen decision, et cetera. Uh, and that mostly falls on Scott, but that, you know, all of this really is reflected by leadership as well. So this is, you know, a great job by Scott, great job by folks like Perry Hill, Manny Acta, et cetera, for, you know, getting these guys to focus on doing the little things well and, and being able to play great situational baseball, which they've been able to do. We saw that again last night. So this team is in a really good spot. Loving what I'm seeing from them. Uh, very excited to see what they do uh, with the deadline coming up here in a week. Uh, just keep winning games. Keep the vibes going as, as best as you can over this uh, you know this really big stretch. So this is the last gauntlet of the season, really, until ho- hopefully you make the postseason. So just try to get through this as best as you can. Get to the trade deadline. Bolster this team. And uh, I like their chances moving forward. So that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode, whether you're watching or listening to it. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every single day. Now make your second listen of the day locked on MLB MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor passion and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league follow the number one daily league-wide podcast locked on MLB on the Odyssey app YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts just like us and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow go M's peace